0: Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we listen to the message. I'm so excited that you get to join us today here at Watoto Church and just choose to hear the Word of God, worship the Lord Jesus Himself, who is indeed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My name is Lolobo James, and I have the privilege. it's always a privilege to share God's Word. Now, I want you and I to grow in the knowledge of what God has called us to be, the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. So even as I get into the message for today, let us pray, shall we? And Father, I thank you for the blessing of your word. May the entrance of your word bring life. Change us that we will live from a place of deep conviction to your glory. In Jesus name we pray and everyone say amen and amen. We in our sermon series, The New Life, The New Life is about reminding us about the foundation of who we are to help us to recalibrate our brains to what God has called us to be a part of. To be born again is the ushering into the new life and the new life ushers us into a new identity. We talked about that last week, who you have become, what you have become, whose you are. We, we discussed that and talked about that last week. But one of the things we need to recognize is that with a new identity demands a new way of living. And that's my subject of discussion today. And my message is about a new way of living because you are, have a new life with a new identity. When you read the, the, the scriptures in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, it says this, that it was at Antioch where the believers were first called Christians. The word Christian or the title Christian means Christ-like, Christ-ones, those who follow the way of Christ, those who are adherent followers of Jesus. Essentially, the disciples were identified with Christ. Speaking of their new identity, and that is what it is. And so today I want to talk about that, that new identity that has been translated into a new way of living. The question I ask myself is, what did they see in these disciples that they saw in Jesus or remembered about Jesus? By the way, Jesus had only recently died, only recently died and risen from the grave. But what did they see in the disciples that reminded them of Jesus? Well, a couple of things. One is that the disciples loved one another. In fact, in John chapter 13 and 34 to 35, in summary, it says this, love one another by this men will know you are my disciples. So it's obvious they loved one another. In fact, Acts chapter 2, 44, 45 tells us that the believers had all things in common because they sold their property and gave to all those who had need. So they cared for one another. They loved one another. The other thing that I'm very sure happened is this, the disciples loved everyone. Jesus loved the tax collector. He loved the Pharisees. He loved the young, the old, the crippled. He loved everyone. He loved them by by healing them, by caring for their needs, by feeding them, by delivering them from demons. But he also loved them, especially by, by telling them the truth. Consider the Pharisees. He had to tell them the truth. People thought that Jesus hated the Pharisees. Well, he was very highly discouraged by them, but he still told them the truth. Why? Because it's only the truth that sets men free. Jesus preached the gospel and the disciples preached the gospel. When you read Acts chapter 8, you learn that disciples were dispersed because of the persecution and everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. So these are just some marks of of the Christian life. But it also boils down to the fact that the believers in Antioch chose to change their attitudes, their, their speech, their way of speaking. They chose to change their conduct. And because of that, it began to reflect. What did it reflect? their new identity. In fact, as Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4 from verses 17, he's encouraging them as well as challenging them to live in a new way, to reflect the new nature that they have in Christ Jesus. And this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Gentiles were non-Jews. Non-Jews because Jews were in the covenant with God. So those who are not Jews didn't have the covenant with God. So Gentiles literally represents the non-believers. Okay. Verse 19 says, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So don't be like them. What does it say in verse 20? You, however, who? You who is born again, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It is clear from this particular portion of scripture that that when you have become born again or when you are born again, you must shift the way you live. You must have a new pattern of life. You cannot remain in the old because the new has come. And this is contrary to the false teachings that are going around. Some of the false teachings that are going around is simply this. Hey, look, what you do in your body doesn't really matter because it's only your spirit that gets saved. That's a lie. They tell you things like this. You're not under law. You're under grace. So what you do doesn't really matter. God understands that you sin and that you will always sin. Let me tell you, I always like to say this. Well, God understands, but he also doesn't understand. He understands so much that he sent his son Jesus to give you the option to get out of sin so therefore you cannot continue to say he understands some people say this once saved always saved so it's okay just go live your life anyhow no that's farther from the truth and we read that in the gospels right here in the particular portion of scripture you see the bible tells us right here in the very last verse verse 24 that I read that your new nature is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your life should reflect who God is. Essentially, as God is, so must you be. To be a Christian is to be like Christ. That's what it's saying. You cannot be born again and continue living like you are not born again. You have to change because Christ is truly holy and righteous. You need to live a life that is truly holy and righteous. 1 John chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 says this, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Mark that. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. It is clear, brothers and sisters today, that the new life ushers us into a new identity and demands a new way of living. We have to. We have to change. We cannot live in the old way. We have to change. And you see, for this change to happen, it takes a partnership. It takes a collaboration with the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13 says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it's a partnership. God works in and we work out. What he does in, we must leave it out. Essentially, that's what it's saying. Let me give you a classic example. How many of you here, After playing a sports game, I did play basketball, and it gets really sweaty, really sweaty. Your vest is all sticky on you, and yeah. Then you go take a shower. And after you shower, you go back and get the old sticky, sweaty, smelly vest and put it on again and walk around. Nobody does that. It is the same. We've been, we've been washed with the blood of Jesus. We've been cleansed of our sins. We've been renewed. We've been born again. We've been given a new life, a new identity. Therefore, we, we, we ought to put off in order to put on. So let's see how this works out, how this collaboration works out. If you're going to have this new way of living, God, first and foremost, works in us. When we get born again, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit moves on the inside of us. He works in us. One of the ways it works in us is as a counselor. John 14 and 26 says this, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Holy Spirit influences my desires, influences my will by instructing me in God's Word, by helping me understand God's Word. He he influences my will. Please mark that I say influences. He does not force it on me. He will teach me. He will guide me. He will direct me. He will remind me of God's Word, of the truth that is in Christ Jesus, so that, guess what? I can make a decision that pleases Him. That's why it says He works in me to will and to do. He influences that part for me. But the other way that Holy Spirit does that or how God works in us is that he He gives us divine abilities. He gives us divine strength. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. What the scriptures is telling us is this, that when Holy Spirit comes upon us or in us, we receive God's power. We receive divine power. The strength that I have in me is no longer mine. The strength that I have in me is from the Holy Spirit. He enables me and gives me the courage and gives me the boldness and gives me the daringness and gives me the faith to be able to trust Jesus and follow Jesus and to live by the Word of God. I love the example of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. With boldness, he looked at the Sanhedrin, and he taught the word of God. It's a very long portion of scripture with such boldness and they stared at his eyes and the the scripture says it was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He gives us strength. That's why Paul elsewhere says this, I can do all things through Christ who does what? Strengthens me. I lean on the Holy Spirit. I lean on his strength. He empowers me to do this. That's why Holy Spirit needs to become your bestest, bestest friend. I hear people call uh, BFFF, best friend forever. Let me tell you, there's only one best friend forever, Holy Spirit, because he's all the way into eternity. Befriend Holy Spirit. So God works in us. He is our counselor. He gives us divine abilities. And your response then is to exercise obedience. You see, Philippians said that work out you know, when you think about a workout, when you think about a workout, uh, the, the word workout is really about exercise. Put effort. Now, people normally say, I'm going to the gym to do a workout. You, you, you have to exercise. You, you have to, you know, you, you have to put strength. You have to burn some muscle. Many people work out so much on the physical and they forget to work out on the spiritual that God has called them to be a part of. That means you have to be deliberate to exercise what Holy Spirit is telling you on the inside. Someone put it this way. What what Christ did on the cross, Holy Spirit does on the inside of us and we do it on the outside. Wow. So you need to exercise it. You need to be deliberate. You need to be intentional to obey the truth. The scripture says, the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You need to obey that truth. How do you obey that truth? You need to put off the old nature, sinful nature. You need to put on the new nature which has been created like God, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How do you do that? By the change of your attitudes. So I just want to briefly share three areas that you need to ensure and consider changing in order for you to live in this new way. Because this new way is about righteousness. This new way is about holiness. This new way is about truth. This new way is about reflecting the character and the person of Jesus. Therefore, if that is going to happen for us, we must be in the place where we exercise obedience to change our attitudes. You need to change your attitude. Attitude is a complex thing of your disposition or your feeling towards something or your inclination towards something. It is how you think about things. It is also how you perceive things, how you see things. Your attitude needs to change. So if you have an old attitude which said, you know what, it's okay to give a bride. No, the Bible says you now need to change that. What that means then for us to change our attitude, verse uh, 23 says, Of Ephesians 4, be made new in the attitude of your minds. What that means for us is no longer do we look at the things of the world through the lenses of men's words, but we look at the things of the world through the lenses of God's word. In other words, your reference point has to change. Your reference point cannot be what so-and-so said or so-and-so said. Your reference point has to be the Word of God. Your reference point has to be what Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of you. And when you begin changing how you see things, begin to view things differently, then your emotion, your mindset, your attitudes, your perspectives will also change. It begins here. Scripture says, As a man thinks in the heart, so is he. Scripture says, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speak. So the heart in this case is the seat of your thoughts. It's the seat of your emotions. It's the seat of who you are. So you need to change your attitude. One translation says, you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in the core of your being, how you think, how you feel. You need to change how you look at things. So, If we're going to have a new way of living, we need to be a people that are changing our attitudes. We are changing our perspective. We are changing our mindsets consistently to align with what the Word of God says. We have to. I had a very personal encounter with this. Very. I struggled with things like procrastination and uh, being laissez-faire. And uh, I remember this one time I was reading the scriptures, this particular portion of scripture. and, And in that moment, I had God say this, James, stop being you. I thought, Lord, what do you mean? And simply this, stop making excuses about what you are, your shortcomings, your weaknesses. I have given you my Holy Spirit to give you the power to be able to change that. When I began changing my perspective, I began to live differently. Change your attitude and subsequently change your speech change your speech, change your speech. The Bible says there's power, the power of life and death lie in the tongue. Change your speech. Your speech has to do with your conversations. It has to do with the words you use. It has to do with the language that you have. It has to do with all those things. So change your speech. What does Paul uh, tell the church in Ephesus? In verse 25 of Ephesians four, stop lying. Tell the truth to your neighbor. Let's stop lying. There's no such thing as a small lie or a white lie or a blue lie. A lie is a lie. If you continue to lie, you are of the devil because the devil has been lying since the foundation of the world. Stop lying. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I, I know my history. I, I, I used curse words, swear words. I used all those words. I, I mean, not a sentence would go by without me using a beeper word. A, a beeper word. I go born again. And I thank God the one thing that, 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 that I experienced almost immediately was my tongue change. Once in a while in my, in my young days as a Christian, I, I, the, the words came out. But over time, I, I, I kept changing my mind and kept saying, no, I am different. I, I, I am different. I cannot. I am different. I cannot. And look, there are days I listen and you're in a taxi or somewhere and a song plays that brings back everything. In that moment, I tell myself, James, I'm a different man. I will not say those words. Let's stop slandering, stop telling lies about people, stop gossiping, stop gossiping. Let me say, this: if you are in a cell, if you're in a cell or maybe you're in your workplace, if someone is doing something wrong, come on, don't gossip about that person, go to that person. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, open rebuke is better than hidden love. Tell them, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. So speak the truth, build up each other with the words of your mouth. Can I show you another way we speak? It's called texting, social media. What are you saying on social media? Are your words on social media building up people? Are they gossips or are they slanderers? Are you the one propagating false information? What are you doing? Use social media to be a blessing, to build up people, to be a source of hope, to be a source of encouragement. Your words that you speak, your words that you type need to build up people. Wow. Because there's power of life and death in the tongue. So we exercise obedience in changing our attitudes, in changing our speech. And finally, for today, is just change your conduct. Change your behavior. Change how you live. The scripture says in Philippians, that work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God working in you. In other words, with deep reverence, obey God, because God is the one doing the work on the inside of you. Again, I will say this, if you are a Christian, and I say if in the sense that if you say you are born again, then you cannot continue to do certain things. Stop stealing. The scripture says here in Ephesians 4 and 28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Stop stealing. I rebuke you. If you are there all the time, give me, give me, give me. You're always begging people. Go do some pottery work if you have to. Do something. Earn it from somewhere and become a blessing. It's more blessed to give than to always beg. Change your action. Hallelujah. I'm not bragging, but I thank God that I, I, I learned the, 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 the habit of work early. With my mother in a shop down in a place called Kikubo here. I, I was a, um, a, what did they call it? An accountant at the restaurant. I've I, I done these things here. Man, it, and it's joyful. To, when someone says, man, can you bless me? I, I, I find joy in that now. Work. In, in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, it says in verse 3, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is improper for the saints. Stop using your body. Let me say this directly to you. If you are not married and you are with a guy or a girl, you're sleeping together, walk away. Walk away. You'd rather lose that relationship than lose your life. Walk away. Oh, but he's nice. Oh, she's... No, no, no. It's not about whether he or she is nice. It's about you living in the way that is called of God. Shouldn't be sexual morality. So stop using your body anyhow. This body, the Bible says, is of the Holy Spirit. It is the temple of God. Wow. So we need to change. Change our behaviors. We need to start doing things differently. Work with excellence. Work with excellence. Don't be mediocre. Don't serve because your boss is watching. No, work with excellence. Stop stealing pens from the office. Uh, I'll leave that for you to think. So examine your life. Are you living in a way... That reflects your new nature in Christ Jesus. Are you? I want to encourage you, step up if you're not. Because my final scripture for today is this: Ephesians 5 and 5 to 6 says this: For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't associate yourself again with wickedness because wickedness will not inherit eternal life. So I want to encourage you. If you're watching and you know your life is not right with God, if you know you're, you you were born again but you haven't lived in the right way, turn from sin. Begin to live a life that honors Jesus. If you're watching and you do not No, Jesus, you are not born again. The Bible says that they were not born again, will not inherit heaven. But you can be born again and you can inherit heaven. When you get born again, you get that new identity and therefore you live in a new way. Would you do that today? Would you be born again today? And if you are born again, would you live in that new way? So you say, Pastor, I I want to be born again. If that is you, welcome to the house of God. I'm going to lead you in a simple short prayer, but I want you to mean this from your heart. Mean it from your heart. It does not mean anything if you just ad lib it. Mean it from your heart. Simply ask the Lord for forgiveness and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus who paid the price for my sin that I might have a new life in him. Forgive me of all my sins and make me your child today. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen and amen. If you've done just that, let us know and we'll see how to get in touch with you. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to God's word. God bless you and remain a blessing. Thank you for listening. We hope this sets you up to live a truly blessed life. Tune in next time as we continue to explore the scriptures and learn how we can overcome fear with our faith. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at